We're going for it. <laughs> man, it's great to be here with you. Yeah, Randy, man, I appreciate it. We've, uh, we go back a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I used to throw newspapers at you <laughs> on set, you know. Okay, great. That's a let's just start there, and then we'll kind. Of, this is not about me at all, but um, you, you'll hear just the voice of me, Shane, and and Randy today. TJ had a little bit of a uh, auto emergency today, and so it's just me and Randy. But it's kind of funny because Randy and I actually go back. Um, I'll set it up this way, and you can add to it. It's 2000, I believe, 8. I've always said 8, and it feels right. I'm working at um, for Dave Ramsey. My wife sends me an uh, email saying, hey, look at this Craigslist ad, back when Craigslist was still the way to go. Um, and I go, oh, okay, that sounds kind of fun. And the ad was basically, hey, we're, we're shooting a country music video looking for a Kevin James type of character. And I had kind of grown up doing some theater and some, I've always been kind of a performer and enjoy it. And I've also all been compared to Kevin James, who, if you don't know who that is, the King of Queens. And uh, I said, I might as well do it. Let's go try it. And so I go to this uh, office that's in an old house in, in uh, kind of South Nashville area. I walk in. And there's all these guys, not all, maybe five or six guys, and they have like folders and headshots and portfolios. And I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> I am in trouble. <laughs> I came with nothing. Um, but we go through a like an improvised yeah, a cu- couple scenes, yeah, a casting, yeah. And uh, the guy I was improvising with was right here, Randy Brewer. He <laughs> was the the producer owner of Revolution. Um, pictures and I, I didn't know that at the time I was just like okay yeah let's do it end up getting the thing end up shooting for two days all around Nashville and uh, on a video called I Can Sleep When I'm Dead that's right Jason Michael Carroll shout out to Jason Michael Carroll um, it's still on YouTube so still you, on you know, YouTube should all go it's check out it there. out go Shane check it is, out uh, you know, getting newspapers thrown at him. Yep. He's uh, belly flopping in the audience. That's right. And, uh, That's right. You know, it's uh, it's a great performance. That was the that was the way I first met you, Shane. Was your that hilarious is how we met performance yeah. in your office yeah. at a casting call. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then I cast you in a couple other things, mm-hmm. and then and then come to find out in 2012, I just landed at Journey Church. And, yeah. And uh, ran into you. I remember that first night. Oh my gosh. Walking in and going, oh, there's someone I know, you know. There's, yeah. there's Shane. So, so that was crazy. actually kind of kind of nice to actually show up at the church and yeah. already have a friend and have a place to. Well, we would run into each other. Our sons are the same age, and so we would run into each other like the YMCA football field. You'd be like, you got an agent yet? I'm like, no. <laughs> that was a whim, bro. <laughs> I oh, you could have gotten a, a lot more work. I was like, what are you doing? You got some credits now. You need to get out there. I was and- like, I have a job. I don't know. I just wasn't in the mind space. I probably should have been, but, um, but yeah. So then uh, you start coming the journey. We become good friends. Our sons are really good friends still. Yeah, about to graduate high school. Yeah, that's crazy. Nuts. But let's go back to little Randy, little Randy Brewer. Where where did it all begin? Well, I was born in Missouri in a little small town called Sedalia, Missouri, and um, my dad had. Uh, just got his uh, 
PhD in speech communication at University of um, Louisiana, LSU. And he had gotten a job up in Warrensburg, Missouri. Um, And so I grew up a little bit in Warrensburg, Missouri. My dad taught at Central Missouri State up there in the communications department. Um, And so it's a little small town, a little bit outside of Kansas City, about an hour outside Kansas City and a college town. So it was really a great, um, you know, I was there till about third grade, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a brother, um, so it was just the two of us. We were 15 months apart. Um, And, you know, it was a great little small town to grow up in. And then my dad got transferred and actually offered this job to be uh, uh, in the communications department in Shreveport, Louisiana, at this Mm -hmm. company called Arc Le Gas. Mm -hmm. And so we moved down there um, and – you know, just so happened, my dad, uh, what he had to do was like train people on how to answer phone calls and how to be good at communication, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Knowing and, your dad now, uh, I totally see it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. So he, um, he had always done stuff like that. And, and at the place that he, um, he worked, um, they had, uh, this, you know, at the time of state of state of the art video camera that oh. went into a big, huge, tape deck that had these massive tapes that were really, you know, like three times the size of VHS. Mm-hmm. Um, and he needed uh, someone to shoot some stuff with him one time where he was training some some people and, you know, just like TJ didn't show up for you today, yeah. somebody didn't show up for him. And he's like, Randy, why don't you come down and all you have to do is just move the camera back and forth while I talk and that way I don't have to redo this thing again. They'll just send the tapes out to, to different uh, areas in the company. No way. And so that was, I was about, uh, I guess I was about 14, uh, at the time. And I remember saying to my dad, you know, Hey, um, could we bring this home? You know, that's 1984. So I was literally like, there wasn't really consumer. Um, there was, you know, like, uh, Sony beta mm-hmm. and there was things like that out there, but mostly it was still a little bit of the, you know, the super eight cameras oh, yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. The, the camcorders hadn't really come around. So, um, he starts bringing home this thing on holidays, just like, right. We're about to approach Christmas and he would bring it home for like two weeks and me and my friends would just start making videos. And that's kind of how I started my, my video career mm-hmm. as a child was just creating music videos and, all kinds of crazy fun things with my cousins and my brother. My brother's like you, a big performer, so I always was behind the camera, and my brother would, you know, be in front <laughs> of the cool. camera. So that was, uh, you know, kind of how it was growing up in Shreveport. And then my mom is from Nashville. My dad is from Memphis. Um, and so I used to come up here to Nashville to see my grandparents every oh, yeah. Christmas and Thanksgiving. I always loved it. And um, I ended up, you know, when I graduated um, high school in Shreveport, I um, – I'd done in, in, in high school, I'd done a video yearbook. Nice. Um, where I literally, <laughs> which, you know, luckily these tapes are probably all dissolved and gone. <laughs> but back at the time, I was videotaping all the football games and basketball games and editing them to basically music videos with, you know, whatever the hot songs that at the time were. That is so were, cool. Um, and selling them for How 20, did you do 20 that? bucks a, a piece. What did editing look like back then? Well, that's a great question. I mean, so, you know, my first job was um, at a place called Crescent Landing. I was a busboy for one weekend. And I was like, this is horrible. I don't mm. want to do this. And my dad knew I loved the video stuff. And he mentioned to me, hey, you know, I was at this video store, you know, 
And I think the guy had a little edit system in the back that he was doing weddings on. I can't remember, but if you want, I'll make an introduction. And that's very much my father is he's big on introductions. Totally. And so I got to meet this guy who had his own, you know, video rental store. It was like the, you know, homegrown family video store uh, where you rented movies on VHS. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he actually said, you know what, Randy, I could teach you how to be my back cameraman for weddings and I'll pay you like 300 bucks, you know, on a Saturday, just come push record in the back camera up on the, in the balcony and zoom in to, you know, to mm-hmm. the folks and the moments. And, uh, if you want to do that, I'll teach you how to do that. And then I'll teach you how to edit. And I was like, absolutely. So, oh, that's cool. so my first job was working in this video store. And then I would, in between times, people weren't, you know, coming in to rent stuff. I would get on this little system and it was basically, I used to call it butt cuts because mm-hmm. basically it was like you pushed in on where you wanted to start the cut and then you pushed out where you wanted it to end. And then the machine would move the tapes back simultaneously and pl- push play on them. And whatever was on your end point, it would lay that down right at that point that you pushed as your end, you know? Oh, so there's like markers. Yeah, markers. Those are your markers. Exactly. And so it was literally analog. So it laid it yeah. down analog. And so if you messed up, I mean, you're like, uh oh, I got. And I remember if I did the cut wrong a few times, it would start to do those little bad like uh, lines you get in VHS yeah. with the red yeah. things, and I'd be like, oh, oh that's not good. I, I, how do I fix? It? I couldn't really fix it. So, um, but it was fun. It was a great, you know, growing up in high school and editing. You know, basically editing music videos, shooting music video content. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's what led me to go to Abilene Christian University out in Abilene, Texas, was I found out (laughs) I'd done two years of video yearbooks and sold those and made money. And uh, I found out that this college out in Abilene had a video yearbook. And they had 5,000 students and they were selling, you know, like a thousand of them a year. And I was like, I'm going to go out there and I'll just keep doing, doing what I've already done. Yeah. And so that's how I ended up out in Abilene, um, you know, starting starting my career out there. You know, doing were they surprised there was a kid coming into school that knew how to do all? Yeah. This stuff? Uh, well, it was funny because um, w- what I thought was in my mind, I thought, oh, this is great. As a freshman, I'll just be doing the video yearbook. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, in yeah. my mind, you know. And then I got there, and, and then I remember them saying, uh, Randy, uh, the. Uh, the video yearbook's done by graduate students. Oh, And I'm like, no. what? And they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, that's something, you know, you don't get to go in the studio and touch the equipment, and you know, until you're, until you're you know, more what? of a senior. So I was all like, oh, bummed. And But they said, well, you know, you know, you are, you know, you shot a lot of stuff and you've edited a lot of stuff. You could maybe help them out, you know, because yeah. maybe they have some shoots that they need. And yeah. Um, so I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll meet these folks. So I met um, two ladies that uh, were graduate students that were doing the video yearbook, and we got to talking, and, and they both said, well, we don't know really anything about video stuff. Like, we're just doing this for our graduate degree. Move. And No, no, it was funny <laughs> because the they go, you know how to shoot and edit? And I said, yeah. And they said, well, will you just do this for us? I was that like, what? so cool. So I basically started being the main shooter and everything, and then I was started to edit <laughs> the things for them. And then about halfway through the semester, I wasn't getting paid or anything. The, the, the ladies came to me, and they both said, we're out. 
And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, we're dropping out of this. We don't want to do this. We're just going to drop out of the program. And, you know, we basically told them to hire you to do the project. So I was just like, uh, okay. Uh-huh. So it kind of worked out where yeah. I started doing that um, right off the bat, which was crazy. But um, it it was weird because it was different in the time that, you know, like today you can literally download an app and edit something. Mm-hmm. But back then, you know, most people didn't know how to, how to do any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You couldn't get your hands on it. There was a big wall in technology right. um, between things. So it was fun uh, to kind of have that already you know, kind of under your bat already when you got there. I mean, yeah. when I did my internship at Nashville in 1992, um, I'll never forget going in there and walking into their little studio, and I looked at the machine that was their edit machine, and I was like, I know how to edit on that. Oh. And I was shocked. I kind of was shocked. I was like, wow, it's the same as what I have at college. And and um, they were like, well, hey, if you want to edit some country music videos, you know, every once in a while, you know, we need we need some other alternate cuts and i was like absolutely you know well this is basically a couple months into the internship the the supervisor came to me and she said um hey you know there's this cut that that this editor did and the label doesn't like it and the director doesn't like it and you know but we don't really have the budget to hire another editor and if you want you know here's all the tapes and you know give it a shot give it a shot and and she's like, I need it in the morning, though. Oh, my word. So I stayed up all night, you know, editing this. And and it's funny because I think it was uh, John Anderson. It was a John Anderson video. John Anderson. Um, and so, anyway, they, they accepted it. Um, and, and she was, like, you, shocked. Like, on at, cloud nine? Oh, I was crazy, oh, you know. That, back then, I was I went back to school thinking I was it, you yeah. know. Guess so, what, boys? Anyway, <laughs> um, so anyway, that's kind of kind of where things went. You know, I graduated there in 1993 and, and decided, you know, I'd thought about coming to Nashville because I'd loved um, my experience there working mm-hmm. on country music video sets and kind of getting that experience. But there was something in me that said, you know, uh, I got to just go to L.A. just to say mm-hmm. I went, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I had like a total big head. I thought that like, oh my gosh, I'll go to LA and everybody will be like, Randy Brewer, the editor <laughs> of music videos and country music, we'll, we will hire him right away. And I found out really fast, like, whoa, you're, uh, you're behind because mm. technology had shifted. Uh, there was uh, these new computer-based systems yep. out there called Avid that I didn't know anything about. And there was still a place, there was a few places that still had the old technology and I did actually get some interviews for some of those things, uh, but I didn't. I couldn't get a job. I couldn't get. I ended up being a runner mm-hmm. um, and and driving around uh, all over LA making deliveries uh, for a production company. Mm-hmm. And that was as close as I could get to it at the beginning. Yeah. Um, what was your when you first started? Did you enjoy the process of shooting or editing more? Well. I always, since I started as a kid, you know, I, I literally, before I'd gotten that job learning how to edit, I would do it all in camera. Right. And so, sure. I like, we did stop motion stuff. Yeah. Um, and I did music videos where literally, <laughs> it's crazy, 
I would listen to the song and it'd be like, oh, cool. It's the song is three minutes long. And okay, this is the lyric in the first verse. It's about 10 seconds in when they say this. So I would literally write up like a paper edit of the song. Oh my goodness. Like all the lyrics. And I'd be about 10 seconds in, they say this. Then I would literally by by like shooting, like if, if I was shooting you, yeah, I would be like, okay. You know, I need you to run right here from here to here, and I need you to do it in two seconds. Um, and then I would be like, all right, and action. I'd push the button on the camera, and then I'd go 1,001. And like in my head, I'd be like 1,001, 1,002, cut. And I would basically create all of the cuts for three minutes like that. With your thumb. With my thumb. Yeah. And my brain visualizing everything along the line. And then by chance... Um, there's a the first video I did like that was Electric Avenue by nice. Eddie um, Eddie Money Eddie no Eddie do, do, Electric to, Avenue Eddie something Eddie Grant oh Eddie Grant um, and so then I took the camera did the audio dub I remember putting the headphones on my cassette tape yes um, headphones and put the microphone between the two headphones <laughs> hit audio dub yes. and watched the visuals that I had recorded for three minutes go to the song. So it was the opposite. Instead of editing visuals to the song, I was editing, I was just audio dubbing visuals, you know, the opposite oh, way. My word. But what that did is that gave me a love for cinematography. Oh yeah, sure. And at the same time, what I didn't realize was I was learning to edit in my mind. Uh-huh. So once I actually got to start editing, I loved it because I was so visual yeah. ahead of time that everything that I did um, was already kind of thought out. Mm -hmm. Like, and I had already had a paper edit in my mind almost every time that I was doing things. So the edits were fairly easy because yeah. I kind of already saw it come together. Uh, but I literally thought I wanted to be an editor when I started out. I, gotcha. I loved the shooting side of it, but. Um, I liked the the process of editing, and so that was actually the first jobs I got were was as an editor, mm. and um, and then in LA, my I guess I'd say my some of my big breaks were, um, I started volunteering for Steven Spielberg's organization called Survivors of the Shoah when we would go out and videotape Holocaust survivors. Oh, dang. Um, it was amazing. Uh, these are folks that survived the Holocaust. Um, they were in encampments, or and they would tell you their entire story. And wow. it was a really great lesson in storytelling mm -hmm. because I remember them telling me, you know, look, Spielberg is funding this all himself with the profits from Schindler's List. Wow. And the only thing we need is we need somebody that can shoot really good. They're like, you know, you can do that. Um, but here's all you do. You show up, you say hello, you ask them about themselves, and then you tell them that you're not going to speak through the entire process once you start recording. All you're going to say is tell me your story. Wow. And when they're done, when they say they're done, that's when you, you hit stop on the thing. But you you don't quiz them, you don't follow up questions, mm -hmm. you don't anything. Just let them tell their story. And it was really powerful because um, you realized there was a lot of dead space in there. Yeah. And But you realized that you'd already kind of pre-told them, look, you know, 
I'm not going to ask you any more questions. I'm just going to say, tell me your story and and you talk until you're done. And when you when you feel like you've told your entire story, then just tell me you're done. And then I'll stop the camera. And it, you'd have these awkward pauses where you'd want to, you know, I'm going to ask a question about it. And if you stop yourself and you'd see the person in this moment where they're they're back at that camp, they're back in this spot, and they, they're kind of choosing, do I want to say that? Do I want to tell that part of the story? And most of the time they did. Most of the time that's when you were like, wow. You know, this is this is so unbelievable, you know, mm, but yeah, but it was also like a great way to give them dignity, give them kind of like um, a chance for their story to be known. Yeah. And sure. So that, the cool thing about that, that, that stuff, I mean, I did, you know, a bunch of those. And if you go to the Holocaust Museum, uh, if you're a relative, you can pull up that person's story and you can watch it. Oh, um, wow. It's pretty neat. Um, I've been there. Oh, you really? Yeah, I don't know really? if I saw that or not. But. Um, so, but that's kind of you know, I, I I was wanting to be an editor, and I they told me some friends from Abilene Christian worked for Steven Spielberg, and they produced a bunch of his big movies, and uh, they were really close in the in the inner sanctum of you know, I got uh-huh. to go in and see Spielberg's office uh-huh. and meet him and. It was great, and they said, look, you know, we can set you up for an apprentice with Joseph Kahn, his editor. Would you like to do that? And I was like, absolutely. And they said, well, you've paid all these dues, you know, with the foundation and helped out. You know, I think we can try to put you on the list. So I got on the list, and then uh, they're like, uh, hey, so I think you're probably going to have a chance, but we need to let you know that, you know, it'd probably be like five or six years before you're actually in the room with him. Oh. And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, well, you know, you'll do deliveries like you've done, which, you know, oh. you've already got that on your resume. You know how to drive around L.A. and deliver things. So if you have to go pick up film negatives or you've got to go get lunch or stuff like that, that's what you'll be doing for a few years. And and then you'll work your way in with the assistant editors. Oh, my. And, um, so if you're prepared to do that, you know, we can go ahead and kind of put you on the waiting list and everything. And I literally thought about, it, I was like, do I want to do that? Like, do I really want to be an editor? And it was a great opportunity. I mean, I was contemplating that, like, yeah. who's going to oh, get sure. this opportunity? This is a great opportunity. But the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, I think I want to create more. I want to be oh, creating yeah. more. And as an editor, you are creating for sure, but you're definitely following a script and you're definitely... Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff has already been pre-created right. that you're cre- right. you know, that you're working off of, and the time investment. I was just like, um, I don't think so. And and it was interesting. Right around that time, I got a call from Nashville from my former internship supervisor, and she said, "Hey, you know, what are you doing?" I said, "Well, doing these kind of things. It's this, and the other." And um, she's like, "Well, why don't you come to Nashville and I'll teach you how to produce music videos? I know you really love music videos." And it was like. The moment she said that, I just remember thinking, I'm leaving. Oh, I'm going to Nashville. I'm going to do music videos. Because, you know, that early years of making music videos as a child and growing up, you know, MTV generation. Oh, yeah. You know, I I aspired to that. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize how much I really wanted to do that. Yeah. And Nashville felt like home, you know, coming back where my grandparents Sure. Were. And so that's um, in 1995, I left Los Angeles, moved to Nashville, and um, met my wife the first day I moved here. I'll never forget that. 
I didn't um, know that was the first day you moved here. Yeah, it's a pretty fun story. So I I had an old high school buddy that lived in Nashville, and, you know, it's that classic, like you're literally on the road, mm-hmm. and you call him up and say, hey, uh, I'll be there in a day or so. Can I crash on your couch? Oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, sure, man. So I walk in, and I'm carrying my stuff up. It's, like, late in the day. It's, you know, 6 o'clock in the evening. I'm carrying stuff up to this apartment, and I walk in the door, and I'm like, wow, who is that girl? I just remember looking at her going, what? man, I've been on the road a lot. <laughs> oh, I not know the story. But uh, that girl's absolutely beautiful. Um, why is she here, you know? And then, um, so I'm unloading stuff, and I'm talking to her and everything, and and I didn't know she was there to actually go out with some other guy, ah. and she was waiting on him to get ready. That's funny. And uh, she's the one that said to me, like, oh, you've been on the road, you know, you should just come to dinner with us. And I was like, oh, sure. I mean, I... I didn't know that it was a date, quote right, unquote. So right. I just invited myself along. <laughs> and uh, so we go out to dinner with, you know, the other guy. I say he was the third wheel. And um, have this great uh, uh, dinner and come back and literally talk till like two in the morning. Oh, man. And uh, the next day, that guy was so mad at me. He like let me have it. I was just like, hey, man, I didn't know. I thought y'all were just friends, you know? And uh, so that afternoon of the the second day I was there, my phone, uh, well, I was going to Walmart to pick some stuff up and um, my battery died on my car. Well, actually I wasn't, I was headed somewhere else and I needed to go to Walmart because my battery died on my car. And I had two phone numbers, my friend from high school that I, you know, Uh had crashed on his couch and, and my wife's, my future wife's phone number. So I called her instead and because i knew she was a nurse and that she didn't work the next day and i said hey you know i'm sorry my battery just went dead i'm stranded over here in this parking lot i need to go over to walmart and pick up a new battery she's like oh yeah sure i'll come over and pick you up so we go in this walmart nashville and i literally run into my aunt my mom's sister oh my god who lives in nashville has lived in nashville a long time and she calls my mom and says (laughs) didn't you say Randy just got to Nashville? And my mom was like, yeah, just yesterday. And she's like, well, he's been in Nashville less than 24 hours, and he's already got some girl <laughs> that's taken him around town to get his car battery. So uh-huh. it was kind of one of those things where it just, like, happened. Um, God had a plan for I me to love meet, that, man. meet her. I don't think I've ever heard that story. Um, but that's kind of how I showed up in Nashville and started working on music videos right away. Um and started learning how to produce, but then, you know, basically fell in love right away. Too. Yeah, man. So what, what's the, where's the transition to, you, you think it's time to go out on your own? How, how do we get to where Revolution Pictures and all that? Well, I'd been working at this place and um, that guy was very talented. He'd won like a ton of Dove Awards. Mm-hmm doing lots of music videos. He did like Michael E. Smith's Secret Ambition. Yeah. Remember all those kind of oh, things. Man, a bunch of desert. Amy Grant videos, Sandy Patty, stuff like that. He'd won a ton of Dove, Dove Awards. Yeah. Uh, but the problem was that um, I was wanting to do like DC talk videos. Oh, yeah. And he'd done a lot of the contemporary stuff, but yeah. he hadn't done like the new hot yeah. Christian stuff that mm-hmm. was coming out. And this is, you know, this is 95, 96, 97. And so all that was booming. I mean, it was like all this new oh, yeah. Christian, contemporary Christian sure. music stuff. And um, so I convinced him. I was like, hey, why don't I get some other directors that have done some of this stuff, and I'll 
um, I'll represent those people for the company. Um, cause I was realizing like if I went in to get, you know, mm-hmm. a rock video or something for skillet, mm-hmm. they'd be like, uh, I don't know if he can do skillet. Like <laughs> his reel has Sandy Patty on it. Oh and man. I'd be like, Oh, bummer. So like I couldn't get to create the stuff I wanted to create. Jeez. So I convinced him like, Hey, let me bring in some other guys. And he's like, okay. And I'll get a commission on that. Well, at the end of the year, basically I brought in all this work and, um, he just wanted to give me a raise. He didn't want to give me like my bonus check that I was due oh. for all the stuff. And I was like, what? And so literally I was, I was so mad. I literally, I remember calling my wife and saying, I'm quitting. Like, I'm so mad that I've done all this work and whatever. And I was literally making like $20,000 a year. Yeah. It's not much. My wife was working at the hospital. She was really paying our bills. And, um, but I, I enjoyed, you know, doing the content. Um, but I, I was, you know, felt that pressure now that I'm married to yeah. kind of build something. Oh, yeah. And so God had this amazing plan that I didn't, I didn't even know where it was going to go, but I went home, I'd quit, you know, like a day passed. My wife's like, what are you going to do? I was like, well, you know, while I was there at this, this other company, I had this other company call me a couple months ago and they asked me if I'd basically build the same kind of music mm-hmm. video division that I was already doing there. Yeah. So I'm just going to put my resume together and go talk to those guys. And I kind of had a plan in my mind, like, this is where I'll just go work over there now. Um, well, uh, some somebody uh, that worked at EMI Christian Music Group um, called me and said, hey, you know, we heard you left, and we really want to work with you, and we got a bunch of videos coming up, um, and we just want to give them to you because we were planning to give them to you anyway, but you're not over there anymore. And, uh, and I was like, well, you know... I don't really know what I'm going to do. And I'm kind of like basically saying no. And this person literally said, listen, I need you to do these. So oh. you just need to get a bank account, put a company name on it, and <laughs> I'm going to send you this money. And I need you to start doing these videos, Randy, because I'm on a timeline. Oh, my word. And I literally was like, uh, okay. But then my next thought was, how do I edit these? Because this is the time when, you know, non-linear editing with uh-huh. avids had come out it wasn't yet to where you could like have final cut on your computer yet you still right. had these a hundred thousand dollar computers yep. that you had to use so it was expensive still because we were shooting film Jeez. and i literally got off the phone from this person and i had almost like a little panic like yeah i just said yes and i don't know how i'm gonna do it because i don't own any i don't own <laughs> any equipment oh, man. i don't have any resources and Julie said, this is my wife, Julie. She said, hey, weren't you on uh, AOL chat room the other day? <laughs> now, this oh dates it. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Was back then, you know, the big, <clears throat> if you got on the internet, you signed in on AOL. Oh, yeah. And then one of the ways I was getting some work was I found out there was a Music Row chat room where all these big okay. music producers would hang out and yeah. artists would talk. And and I would get on there and, and chat with some of these artists and say what I did and talk about some of the videos I was doing and then people would say, Hey, I know my friend so-and-so needs a music video yeah. or this new label needs a video. Well, she's like, weren't you on there? And somebody instant messaged you and said that they had bought an avid on music row, which is that little house that you came to Shane. No way. And, um, they had put it in the basement and they were just kind of using it as a hobby because they were an audio engineer and they were looking for some producers to use the 
use the system so they could recoup their money. And uh, would I have a need for it? And I said, oh, yeah, that's right. I told that guy I didn't because I worked at this right. company that owned right. their own stuff. And so I inst- I found them on 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 chat room and I instant messaged him and said, hey, do you still have that Avid, that edit system? Oh, yeah. I said, well, I might need it. And he said, what are you doing right now? I said, nothing. He said, well, come down and meet me at uh, 12, 19, or 6, whatever it was. I can't remember the address, but basically come down to Music Row right now and I'll show you the place. So I go down there and this guy literally after about an hour conversation looks me in the eye and says, I mean, it's like this beautiful basement kind of thing right on Music Row. He had a, you know, like a refrigerator in there and a kitchen. He had, a, you know, little offices and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, I'll tell you what, I'll pay the rent. I'll set up a phone for you. Um, and all I need you to do is we'll make a deal that for every edit you bring in here to work on my system, you pay me this much money so I can get this thing paid off. But then you mark it up whatever you want. It's You can treat this like this is your office. Oh, my goodness. Do you think you can bring enough work to pay it off? I said, yeah, I think I can. So he looks at me. I mean, I've just met this guy. He hand, he shakes my hand and starts taking the key off oh of his thing. And goodness. I literally was like, what is he doing? He hands me the key, and he says, all right, we got a deal. And I said, okay. Uh, so <laughs> what happened was in a week, I had an office. I had... Named the company Revolution Pictures, and I had all this work coming in from EMI Christian Music Group to do music videos for Christian artists. And I'll never forget, like some of my friends that worked over at the other company are like, "Hey, you planned the whole thing. Like oh you already gosh. got an office, you already have clients, whatever." I said, "I didn't plan any of it. God totally set that's that up. Insane. And that's how the company really was birthed in 1997. Was we started doing tons of Christian music videos, um, and there was a Gaylord had a company called Z Music Television, and they were one of my big clients. And they were like the Christian music version of MTV mm-hmm. back then. And so that's kind of how the music video side of it was born. And, wow. and in 2010, many years later, actually 2005, um, Carrie Underwood um, used us for Jesus Take the Wheel. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's really what Enter, entered us into country music, you know, was, oh, okay. was that one opportunity. I'd been trying to get in the door with some country music labels, but... How'd that happen after uh, all that time? Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, you'd go over and show them these Christian music videos you'd be doing, and they'd say, well, that's a cool rock band video for Skillet, but, uh, <laughs> you know, can you tell country music stories? And I'm like, oh, yeah, no problem. Well, when you got a country video, come back and show me that because right. I like your work. Right. And you're like, I need to get a country. Come on, man. <laughs> like, and so it's funny. I mean, we had some really good people at Sony. Sony really was kind to us, and they did give us some uh, some early opportunities in country. Uh, one of the first country music videos I ever did was with Curb Records for Rodney Atkins before Rodney oh, yeah. Atkins had ever really been known. Right. Right. Um, and so that's kind of how it happened. We just kind of got a few things. But then once Carrie used us for Jesus Take the Wheel and then started us using us for all of her videos, um, it was just the phone started ringing. Oh, you yeah, know, sure. Folks started calling and sure. and opportunities came. Because Taylor Swift was a big one, right? Yeah, so, so, so Taylor Swift was the biggest of the biggest mm-hmm. as far as um, not that Carrie. I mean, the stuff Carrie did and, you know, Blake Shelton and – 
Alan Jackson and Brad Paisley. I mean, a lot of a lot of big artists that we had worked with. Um, but we had this kind of goal that we wanted to work with her. Um, she had just had, um, um, oh, I keep thinking of the Castle video. She had just done that video. Oh, yeah. I uh, can't I'm, remember the name I'm of the it. wrong guy. But basically, she just had a big hit with that. and um, The one about something like Take Me to Your Castle. Or, I can't remember what it was. I just remember the music video was really my beautiful. My daughters would know. And it was a great video. And, and she was working with the same director who was super talented. Mm-hmm. And it, it really wasn't like that. Um, it's just like anything. You know, you've got to kind of get an opportunity to work with somebody yeah. sometimes so you can do it. And I'll never forget when they called and said, hey, you know, you've got the video for you belong with me. We were just like so excited that we got that video. And, you know, because Kanye dissed it on the MTV Awards, mm-hmm. that kind of really helped us move into brands and things like that because um, it was such a pop culture moment at the time. We didn't even realize how big it was. But um, I had some friends in, in Texas that heard about um, about the, the video and everything and, and the MTV Award and everything. And they said, uh, I'd been asking them, can you help me get into branding? You know, can you help me get commercials? And, uh, you know, you don't, the same thing. Yeah, you don't have any commercials. Right. Uh, when you get a commercial, call us. And this one guy, though, called. He said, uh, did you do the video for Taylor Swift that Kanye did? On the, I said, yeah. I think I can help you get into brands now. I said, how? He said, come down here to Dallas and I'll take you around to all the, the, the big ad agencies that work with country music style brands uh-huh. like Ram Truck. I said, oh, that's a great idea. He said, yeah, just I'm going to tell him that, hey, do you want to meet the guy that did this video? Um, and you want to hear the story behind everything. Yeah. Um, and if I can get meetings like that, maybe I can get you some work. I said, absolutely. Uh, okay. So that's what happened. And um that's how we got Ram Truck uh, with Sam Elliott for, like, Guts, Glory, Ram. Mm-hmm. Um, and Verizon came after that and Samsung and Hyundai and a bunch of, you know, really exciting brand kind of work started from mm-hmm. there. Um, you know, the the one cool story from the Taylor Swift thing that I tell a lot is um, the day after she won, and obviously it was insanity, um, she called me and was really kind and congratulating me. And um, she's like, hey, you know, you know, just I'll send you the link to fill out so you can get your Moon Man. And uh, have I told you the story before? No, I don't think so. So um, basically, I fill out everything. I send it into MTV. You know, within an hour, this lady from MTV calls and says, hey, how did you get that link? Uh, Taylor Swift gave it to me. Oh, well, I'm so sorry to tell you, but uh, this is the first year in the history of MTV um, Awards that uh, we don't give uh, a moon man to the director and the producer anymore. Oh, my god! We're gosh. just giving it to the artists because we have to cut costs. And I literally was like, what? Yeah, yeah sorry, sir. Uh, you know. Oh, my word. I was like, can I buy one? No, sorry, sir. We, we only ran so many of them. And... Uh, you know, it's no way to really order oh one or anything. Gosh. Oh, okay. So I'm just so bummed. Seriously. And, you know, we were still working with Taylor, and I didn't want to be like a victim and, you know, call and just be like, hey, right. you know, they didn't they give didn't us give one. Me- yeah. So I just sucked it up and 
Um, this is like a couple weeks later. I'm in some grocery store, and I run into her day-to-day person that was good friends with us. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, did you get your MTV award? And I'm like, oh, no, you know, da da da, da. She's like, that's not right. I was like, yeah, it's all right, you know. I'm just fortunate, just thankful to be able to do it. And, yeah. you know, I'm walking away going, yeah, it's not right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then out of the blue, like, you know, a couple weeks or maybe even a month later, she calls and says, hey, you know, uh, Taylor wants to know if, if you and Roman White, Roman's the director of the yeah. video, I was the producer, uh, would y'all be available to to get together this Friday, you know, and talk about some things? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so I'm thinking, oh, cool, I'm going to do another video for her. Well, she gets out of the car and, and is walking in, and she's holding these two bags, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, she didn't have to get us anything. Or, <laughs> yeah. And at her age back then, you know, I was like, you know, a lot of country music folks would send me liquor, send me bottles right, of wine, right. you know. And uh, <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, she's kind of young to be buying me a <laughs> case of wine or right, something. That's, that's, a, that's a big box she's carrying. Huh. So she comes in and she's like, these are for you. And we're like, what? And so we open them up. Boom. You know, there's a moon man with my name oh. on it. And I was just like shocked. I mean, I got teary eyed and kind of like my childhood flashed before me like, you know, watching the MTV Awards and oh, dreaming yeah, about dude. doing a music video, winning an MTV Award. I'd, I'd won a Dove Award already, and, I, and um, I'd actually won an ACM Award, and I'd been nominated for, you know, I've won CMT Awards. I yeah. won a whole bunch of other things. But for me, winning an uh, MTV Award was like, that was like the Academy Award in my uh, okay. of music videos, you know? Yeah, sure. So, uh, so she leaves, you know, we take all these pictures, and we're just like, so happy and thankful and i called her manager the day-to-day person i'm like hey so how did this happen you know because taylor didn't tell me anything and she's like well when i told after i saw you at the grocery store i I told taylor you know that you didn't get it and she said call mtv and you tell them that if randy and roman don't get an mtv award that i'm not coming on mtv until they get one oh and she said i'm dead serious and she said I, I told them, and they made a special oh. run. They paid a lot of money to have two awards oh, run my for Taylor so that you guys would get one. And I'm like, wow, that's that's unbelievable that yeah, she went yeah, out of her way is. like that. And so it's, those kind of things are all really nice. I mean, there's so many nice people in the music business. There, I mean, there's there's you know crooks in the music business too, but yeah. the majority of the people that we got to work with were really kind and sure. very very thankful for for your time working with them and um but that was kind of a a big moment for me because it kind of felt like the time where it was time for me to start doing some other things and yeah move on from just music videos um and you know i think it's interesting how people um and opportunities at the end of the day it it is like just like the guy that gave me my first office it's Mm -hmm. You know, Carrie that gave us our first big country video. It's, you know, Taylor that, you know, mm-hmm. did those things for you. And then some guy in Texas says, hey, I'll introduce you to people. Right. It's people that have really made um, the success of Revolution Pictures um, and the directors and all the crew people that do it. it it's not really, it's not a one-man accomplishment. It's never, a, you know, look what I did. It's It's very much like, look at how all these people came around to create and and it's always nice to 
look back and kind of yeah. see without these folks helping me, I would have never gotten to do that. And it's interesting how much the music video industry has changed. Absolutely. I mean, does MTV even play music videos anymore? <laughs> I mean, maybe late uh, at night. It's really YouTube. In the of the night YouTube or something. is is the king of music yeah. videos now, and um, you know that Taylor Swift video, I believe, has either almost a billion or one billion views just for that one. And so it has changed. I, I do believe there's still a lot of value with them, but right. the, the music business has changed so much that the, oh, yeah. the marketing dollars that go behind them, it's right. just you don't see as many epic videos like you used to see right. in the days. But, uh, I mean, they still serve a, a good purpose. Yeah. So where's, where's Revolution right now, like in terms of what's your focus? Well, so... Because I know content was there yeah, for a minute. Yeah, so we still do music videos, and, yeah. we, and we are working with brands. Um, HCA is one of our big clients right now. I'm about to do a project for KPMG mm-hmm. with their healthcare division. So it's really um, big brands that we do content for, whether it be um, storytelling on their YouTube channel or yeah. things like that, yeah. or if it's a commercial but one of the areas that I'm really passionate about that I'm spending most of my time on is original content for the company yeah. and trying to move us towards, um, we've been fortunate. We did a documentary, um, called remand that was shot in Uganda that, um, Angela Bassett, uh, loved it mm-hmm. so much. She did our narration for us. Um, and so I've got some, I've got a feature film product, uh, or piece that I'm trying to, trying to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got some other documentary things and some television projects that I'm trying to, you know, kind of create. And it's like anything. It's it's uh, it's like uh, going outside your, you know, the thing you know yeah. and trying to build something completely new right. and different. So there's a lot of learning curve that I've learned of, like, how long it takes to actually get yeah. these pieces to actually get funded and sure. put out there. But it's exciting to me because I think it – I've kind of gone back to my passions as a creator. Yeah, that's um, good. And, you know, I I enjoy making, you know, a song come to life. Uh, I enjoy making a product, you know, tell a story. But it's time for me, I really, to be kind of creating, mm-hmm. you know, creating again, creating content that I believe in and things that I'm passionate about. Yeah, totally. Man, if there's anybody that has has fought and stuck to their passion more than you. I don't know who it is, man. You've been through so much crap. And you just all for the passion of what you do because I think you truly believe it It makes a difference. And Yeah. I mean, uh, if you want to talk about the crap, I mean... Uh, <laughs> That's up to you. I don't... Well, I mean, I'll, I'll share very quickly. I mean, basically, um, in 2010, kind of at the... Um, height of everything I did I kind of decided you know hey I've been traveling a whole lot and I haven't really been home enough you know my son was born in 2001 Mm -hmm. and so that was about you know a good 10 years of me traveling constantly I mean there was a time I was doing I'll never forget this I did one week a Kelly Clarkson video a Matt Kearney video a new artist country video, and then another video for um, another country band. I can't remember the name of it mm-hmm. right now. All in one week. <laughs> and That's crazy. Um, 
I got to the point where I'll never forget this too, is I was, um, I woke up in the middle of the night, I had to go to the bathroom and I couldn't move. And I leaned over to Julie and I was like, I can't move. Something's wrong. My legs wouldn't work. Oh my gosh. And so I go to the doctor and they're check everything out. They're like, oh, your heart's fine. This is fine. This is fine. What are you doing? I'm like, uh, I make a lot of music videos. I travel a lot, do this one. You need to stop. You're going to kill yourself. I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, your body is basically telling you you need to rest. Enough. Yeah. So it was this big wake-up call, and I really decided, you know what? Uh, at the same time, like I said, my wife is taking care of both my kids. Yeah. I'm traveling too much. Marriage wasn't in the best shape. Mm-hmm. You know, I really wasn't home a lot. And it was time for me to, like, take myself off the mm-hmm. road. So I started doing that in 2010, which is really the smartest thing I ever did. Because in 2012, I discovered that the guy that was doing all my accounting, kind of running the business out of my company, had been stealing uh, from me over that period of years that I was highly successful. And the IRS came in, the feds came in and audited the whole thing. And they were like, oh, yeah, it's about $2 million, Randy. I'm like, what? And they're oh. like, yeah, it's about $2 million that uh, he stole for you over all these years. And uh, um, looks like you overpaid the IRS, you know, $300,000, um, you know, and because uh, uh, he would steal money, but then he put the tax responsibility on you. So you were paying taxes for monies that he stole. Unbelievable. And, uh, oh, yeah, you're negative $300,000 at the uh, at the bank right now. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget just being like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is – I was just completely in shock. I didn't yeah. know what to do. And a lot of it was, you know, in – my Mayberry kind of upbringing. Yeah, I mean, I sure. didn't really talk about my parents that much, but, but I mean, I have some amazing parents that yeah, have been married do. forever. And <clears throat> uh, I was raised very much in kind of a bubble that it was very much like people would always do right by you. I didn't have any like freak coaches or mm-hmm. crazy youth ministers. Right. I, I really had like a community that was very much like you felt like everybody would always right. look out for you. Right. And so I kind of went into life believing that was the case. And in 2012, I woke up and realized, wait, okay, so let me, I'll go, I'll just go talk to him and, and, you know, we'll work this out. Oh yeah. Yeah. He'll, he'll pay me back, you know, and he wouldn't talk to me. He got an attorney and turned his back on me. And, and over a period of a year, I went to counseling and, you know, I was, you know, why, why, why you won't send me any money? You won't do this, you know? Um, and uh, I remember the counselor, after a year going in there, he's like, well, Randy, uh, you know, you kind of confronted him with the whole thing over a year ago, and he's never sent you a dollar. He hasn't said he was sorry. He got an attorney, and, you know, I know he went to prison for 51 months, um, but uh, I don't think, you know, he's going to be your friend I anymore. I don't think he's going to, you know, whatever. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to have to send you restitution based on the, the you know, the sentence he got, but... He's not going to pay you back, man. No. So I think you're going to have to forgive him. I was like, oh, forgive him. Okay. But how do you forgive him when he hasn't owned it? Mm. He's like, dude, you're just going to have to do it. And so that was a really interesting journey for me. The The thing that the Lord did during that time is uh, sent 
sent really a champion to help revolution continue. I mean, it, I really believe I would have gone to bankruptcy. Hmm. I was headed towards bankruptcy, but of God sent this gentleman um, to pay off the negative 300000 and and let me continue. And so over a period of several years, I, I bought my own company back from him, mm-hmm. uh, which was really crazy and hard, yeah. you know, oh, um, yeah. because every time I would write a check, uh, you know, like, I'd, oh, yeah, this, I feel really good. We Look at all this money we made. Uh, here's a $50,000 check that I'm going to write to this gentleman mm-hmm. that saved my company mm-hmm. so I could pay him back. I wasn't ever mad about paying him back. No. But I would have this sinking feeling like he's still robbing me. Oh. Because I was having to pay back to buy my own company. So I felt like he was mm-hmm. still kind of stealing from me. Yeah. Um, because I wouldn't have been in that situation if it hadn't been for him. So it was really difficult. Uh, but, you know, once I forgave him, it was that's when really the vision for the content that I wanted to create. Yeah. I've got a forgiveness project. Um, I was able to do a ESPN 30 for 30 right after. That was literally within a few months of me forgiving him. Um, it was almost like my creative excitement came back mm-hmm. once I forgave him. And um, on top of that, it was for your beloved Chiefs. That's right. Yeah, that was a – it's called Delaney. If you have ESPN Plus or yeah. whatever that is, mm-hmm. you can watch it um, on there, which is pretty pretty cool. But that was uh, – it's a really inspirational story of a running back that played for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was a dream come true for sure. I'll never forget when we were shooting at Shane uh, – you know, I am a being a Missouri boy. I've yeah. always been a big Chiefs fan, yeah. and I'll never forget. They said, "Oh, we get we're going to go to we get to go to Arrowhead and do some interviews there with some really awesome people." And um, um, they they we walk in, and the guy's like, "Hey, uh, here's the the little thing you need for security. This will get you anywhere you want to go in Arrowhead." You oh know, they basically giving you all access so you can shoot whatever and you you're want. Like, you have no idea what you're telling and me, and I'm right like. Now. They just said I have all access to heroin. <laughs> so you and got, then, I'll see you guys in three weeks. I literally said, uh, well, I had this cool shot in my mind uh, that we'd have to do later tonight. I'll just, you know, would you be okay if uh, we see the lights of Arrowhead coming on at mm-hmm. night in the stadium? Oh, yeah, no problem. We'll just get a security guard to do that. And I'll never forget, like, getting on this walkie and being like, turn the lights on. Oh. And then they go like, poof. You know, like these big, gosh, huge lights come yes. on. Uh, turn them off, and I thought, "This is insane. What like, am I doing right now? What am now? I doing? Can I draft some players too? <laughs> you know, we really like needed to talk to, somebody we didn't about, have Patrick Mahomes back then. I mean, I'd like to talk to somebody about the last three draft picks we made. Yes, yes. Can I have all access to uh, coaches and we have a sit down uh, conversation? Uh, but anyway, so that's that's a little bit of the crap that. Yeah. But you know, out of the out of the bad stuff, that's the thing is. If you don't have a struggle, and that's the thing that I learned is, yeah, the world is not Mayberry. Mm. But, you know, through the hard stuff, it's it really is uh, – <laughs> this is interesting. I, I literally just got off a conversation when I came in here, and the guy said to me, you're wise. Huh. And it's weird because I have a lot of people say that to me. I don't yeah. know if it's the beard. But <laughs> yeah. Probably not. It is wisdom comes through all oh, the, all that stuff, no and, doubt. And I have a lot. I need to gain more wisdom, so don't. I don't think I'm. 
I'm, I'm any kind of Miyagi. There, there's of really no true wisdom that comes from winning every single time. Right. No yes. Way. Well, actually, I mean, I can I can attest to the fact that I was not wise when I was winning because I was very full of myself. Mm. And through the struggles and the hardships and the lessons of you can't change people mm-hmm. and um, but you can choose you know how you look at things and right. you can you can still um, move forward in a in in a non mayberry world mm-hmm. you know and you yeah, can yeah. start to go well how can i uh, it's it's like I, I say if as a content creator now the content that i can create now based on my life experiences is better than if i didn't have those you know Right. I don't think, you know, I always say, why has the Lord put me through this? Mm-hmm. And I think, oh, well, it's so obvious that if if I had been just winning, 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 mm-hmm. winning, never struggling, yeah. I would never do the content that I believe the Lord wants me mm-hmm. to do uh, for others that is, you know, more redemptive and more mm-hmm. um, in that area. So I, I have to be grateful and thankful for the struggles as much as I'm grateful and thankful for the successes. Um, sure. So here we are, 2019, as we record this. You'll you'll be listening to this in 2020. Um, our our sons, well, that sounds weird. Your son and my son are about to graduate high school. You have a younger daughter. She's in. Well, she'll be in ninth grade next year. She'll be in ninth she's grade in eighth next grade year, right now, and yeah. our youngest daughter is in tenth grade right now. Yeah. And uh, just to look back, and you have so many stories. I, I love. You you think of a new story I haven't heard almost every time we're we're around each other, but um, you are one of my two people that in my life that have any kind of connection to Spielberg. You and Brett, <laughs> right? You, you know yeah, Brett, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And we had him on just a few a few weeks ago too. Um, but man, you guys are just the picture of of resilience and. Um, What's stick-to-itiveness, I believe I've heard someone say before. Um, just, man, you feel like, at times it feels like you're just looking for that next step. Like, okay, what am I supposed to do now, God? And, But then you look back and say, and can totally see the arc. Yeah. Which is kind of freaking cool. Yeah. Well, it is, it is. And when you talk, when you think about your family, mm-hmm. and we're talking about that, it's really awesome uh, you know, and I'm sure everyone hears this. It's like you, you really do wake up one day and you go, "Oh my gosh, yeah. he's turning 18. Yeah, he's about to go to college. Um, my daughter is so mature. Like, look at the conversations I'm having. I and, know. And you kind of think about that. And what it's made, what it's done for me, is it really has been kind of like a a moment of, um. I'll turn 50 in 2020. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like what uh, my daughter, I remember her kind of discovering, uh, you know, oh, dad, dad, you worked with Justin Bieber. Mm-hmm. Like she just kind of found out from Jackson or somewhere. And um, and she was telling her friends. And and I said, you know, um, I don't really want to be known for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm that. proud of it. I'm sure I feel like it's an accomplishment. The folks that I got to work with and the people, the content I got to create, but 
do I want my kids to be like my dad worked with all these stars and did all this stuff, or do I want them to be like my dad created content that helped people that mm-hmm. that that told a story that was redemptive that made a difference? And so it's my goal, you know, as I go forward, is like what kind of legacy can I build, you know, for my kids, for mm-hmm. my grandkids someday that they can say, you know, you know, look what dad did, look what granddad did. Like he created content. He used his gifts for God's glory, hmm. not for his own. Hmm. Because, I, you know, I've thought about weird things like that. I don't know why is that what happens when you're about to, you know, start to turn Probably. towards those years where you're, you Probably. know, you've got gray beards and, and you do think about, uh, my dad used to say all the time, I love this, is you should live your life to try to get as many people as possible to be at your funeral. Uh-huh. And I was like, what do you mean, Dad? He's like, well, that means you impacted people. Yeah, right, right. Not that you won awards and people showed up at your funeral because you won awards or did things. Right. More um, you impacted people, mm. so they came to your funeral. And that's kind of where I feel like I'm headed is where can I um, – Create content. I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not headed towards a funeral. Let me change oh, that. I, I'm not, funeral, I don't okay. want to be headed towards a funeral, but I <laughs> want to be headed towards some place that I can build a legacy. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's probably about this age. I feel that. I'm, I'll be 44 next year. and You're so young. I'm already feeling that. You're so young. I'm so young. Six years younger than you. Yeah. Um, well, man, thank you for yeah come with us thanks for having me so good to have you um love you we're coming up on 12 years that we've known each other that's crazy i know it is crazy it doesn't that's just insane (laughs) so i feel like people push fast forward it happens i was just talking to uh one of our junior um girls here that's in our youth group and uh she she i was asking about some of their biggest like what's your biggest thing in your life right now that if it wasn't there, you didn't have to deal with it. You'd be so much happier. And one girl said, um, time and how she feels like it's already, she's 16 or 17. Now she's already feeling it, how fast it goes. I'm like, honey, you have no idea yet. It flies. Mm. And so that's probably part of this turning 50 where you're like, uh, you know how fast I just went? Yeah. Yeah. I, it's time to lay down some legacy, man. Yeah. Which I totally get. Yeah. Totally get. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Yeah, enjoyed it. Great conversation. Good to have you. Until next time, this has been the Idiopod with me, Shane Glover. TJ couldn't make it today. But uh hope you guys have a great are off to a great twenty twenty and uh join us next time. Bye.